Ragbag presents I Like the Sound, a celebration of the sound of things. I like the sound. I like the sound. I like the sound. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. A celebration of the sound of things. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. I like the sound of words. I like the sound of the word chemistry, the word alchemy, the word sasquatch, the word sarcophagus, the word clock. I like the way the word clock is almost, but not quite, onomatopoeic. That repeated C sound in clock, almost but not quite, replicates the sound the clock makes. But because the word clock doesn't quite do justice to itself enough, the English language requires two additional onomatopoeic words to replicate that noise the noise that the clock makes. First, we have the word tick. But that is not enough on its own. The ticking clock makes two distinct sounds. And so we have the word tock. The word tick and the word tock. Tick always comes first. I suppose that's why we call it a ticking clock and not a tocking clock. I like that repeated t sound totally titular totem and toto too repeated b sound and that's a good one i like the sound of the word babel baby babe bubble babble bumble bumblebee barnaby bible bric-a-brac even when the repeated B sound has a potentially negative connotation. I like the sound of the word bribe. That's a brilliant sounding word, bribe. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the act itself, but I like the sound of bribery. I like the sound of the word kibosh. But um, how do you say it? Try to spice this up. He put a kibosh on my smoke machine that I asked for, unfortunately. Um, anyone in Strobe the Lights do. Through my role in the Mind and Life Institute, about eight years ago we tried and the kibosh was put on that. Um, um, and we can skip that whole kibosh. It goes a little, it goes a little something like this. Back in March 2011, back when YouTube wasn't really what it is today, counties ha- has really put the kibosh on a lot of the kibitzing that things aren't going right within the Republican Party. And if, if you do with the pen. I, I, I put the kibosh on that idea really quickly, but I, it did allow me to do a lot of things that I could never have. What really put the kibosh is when they went to Japan after Beirut's played his last thing. Turned out to be a mistake, though, because Fritz's mom supported the liberals and put the kibosh on the whole thing. It would seem that Bismarck had made...
Well, that appears to have put the kibosh on my pronunciation of the word kibosh. Although, at least two of them said it my way. Did you notice that? Here's Neo Dio. I love words so much. There's so many interesting ones. I really think I should keep a list sometimes. But one of my favorite words, perhaps, is a very common one. It's just peculiar. When something is a little bit peculiar, I really like that word because it's sort of curious, but it's also more interesting than curious. It's almost a little bit funny. It makes you scratch your chin and go, hmm, now what is that? So it sort of awakens a curiosity within it. It's not just interesting. I especially just like that sound of the Q. It's such a fun sound to say because you have to rock your whole tongue. Q. And they sort of shape your mouth at the same time. I really like one in Russian, for example, that's called Pshalsta. It means please, as in will you please. Or you can also say, for example, if someone offers you a cup of tea, you can say please. And it also means sort of thank you at the same time which I find really interesting. And it just sounds nice. Pashalista. It really has a nice ring to it, I think. You get to sort of have that sort of whisping in the word. And in the middle of it, it has a weight in the middle, whereas please is just a little... And then it's gone. Here's Red Seaton. There's one when I was younger. And it was, uh, it just makes no sense at all. But uh, it's uk, ukne brakbinim. And, and, and I use it every once in a while just to, as an icebreaker in conversations when it's, things are kind of getting dull and boring. And I'll say that word and people will be like, what? I'll be like, ukne brakbinim. They're like, oh, sorry, I can't hear you. And I'll just keep repeating it. And they're like, I have no clue until they get to that point of like frustration. And I'm like, ah, I just made that word up. Don't worry about it. And it served me well <laughs> from, a, from a good icebreaker and a comedic relief. <laughs> Does it have a meaning or is it just a nonsense um, word? It's just absolute nonsense. <laughs> ah, right. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I like temporal lobe, those two words together. Yeah. That's my epilepsy diagnosis, temporal lobe epilepsy. Right. And, and I've always liked that, that those two words together. Neural pathways is another one that I really like. Cerebrum, cerebellum, neuron. Anything associated with the brain, usually is there's some kind of weird calming effect for me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's some great words associated with the brain, aren't there? Yeah, cerebral cortex. Yeah, I, there, it's just... In some ways, it's soothing, you know, and I, maybe it's just because I've heard them so many times. I don't know. In the hospital, who knows? Yeah, but I mean, even if you don't know what cerebral cortex means, it's like the, the sound of the word. It's kind of has its own little sort of music to it. That's interesting. Music. There, there, is, a, there is a music to words that I, that I really like. Yeah, and the, there's, a, there's a rhythm to speech and a rhythm to the way that we say things and um i think cer certain words have you have to say in a in a rhythmic way in order for the word to come out properly like anti-disestablishmentarianism 
there's 10 syllables in that one word. I'm surprised no one's put it into a song, actually, because it would be quite a, a good one to slip in to, uh, to set that word to music somehow. I think you're onto something. <laughs> there's your chance. Grab a guitar. Yeah, I could write a musical, and that could be the anti-disestablishmentarianism, the musical. <laughs> no one's done it yet, so there you go. <laughs> There's probably a reason why no one's done it. It's probably a bad <laughs> idea. but uh... <laughs> Yeah, true. Here's Reed Messerschmitt. Recently, like in the last year, I decided to see what like H.P. Lovecraft was all about. I had avoided him for years and it was it's good I like it he falls in love with with words and uses them to death um and I, I like a lot of the words that he falls in love with too although I don't want to use them to death in the same way as he does but like cyclopean is a really good word and um eldritch is a really good word and he uses both of them all the time um, so those are the ones that are always kind of in my head these days. This is the Irrationally Exuberant. I'm Reed Messerschmitt. Today is an historic one. Inspired by my research into Esperanto, I have decided to create my own language, though my intent is decidedly different from L.L. Zamenhof's <coughs> admirable dream of bring the world together through a common tongue. My language will be one of exclusion, not inclusion. A language for one, a language for me, a lexical hazmat suit so I can get some peace and quiet for a change. It will be called Messerschmish after myself, appropriate, I think, uh, since I'll be its only speaker. I wish I would have actually like invented the language, you know, um, I just kind of alluded to it. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't do like the full like um, Star Trek nerd um, thing. <laughs> you didn't go method. I didn't that. go fully method. Um, but yeah, Messerschmish, it was the the concept of the language that I came up with to replace. So I wouldn't ever have to interact with anybody ever again. So I'd be the sole speaker of the language it was meant to be like an op opposite of esperanto which was invented to be a universal language this would be a completely exclusionary language that only one person would speak which is a, a dumb idea but um <laughs> thought... <laughs> it's a brilliant idea <laughs> I, I think everyone should do it <laughs> We should all speak different languages. <laughs> we wouldn't have to talk to each other. I think, uh, yeah, right now with the internet and uh, the way everything is, I think that would actually improve life a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I, I very much enjoyed that anyway. It was, it was a fun um, episode, that one. Yeah, it was fun to make, for sure. Uh, my, my son had, he called his blanket... Um, Ati. I was very, it was like a swaddling blanket. We still yeah. call them Ati's around here. That was a good one. I don't know why. I don't know what his child reasoning for that was. 
um, but it stuck. Uh, he called milk mott, um, which yeah. I think was just a pronunciation thing. Um, maybe some integration of mom and milk or something. I don't really know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's funny how, like you were saying with the blanket thing, it, it just carries on even after it's been established that there is a real word for it. Yeah, you carry on using the fake word um, because right. it's fun to do. <laughs> and um, I think this is how new words get formed, just from kids saying it wrong. And um, yeah, that's entirely <laughs> possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know. There's just something about it, like when it comes from a kid, it just seems it's so natural. It comes from them so naturally. You know, it's like you can't give yourself a nickname, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, like a nickname just develops over time. It's kind of like that. Yeah. It has to happen naturally. You can't just be like, we're going to call blankets Otties now. Nobody's going to do that. But if a kid just starts calling a blanket an Otty, it's just, it feels so organic. Yeah. Well, maybe the word blanket was a child's pet name for it once. You know what yeah, I mean? That's, right. Maybe that's where the word blanket came from. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just like a two year old, like right. coming up with a name for the thing that he wanted. Yeah, maybe that was like Michael Jackson's reasoning when he named his son Blanket. Remember that? Is that what he did? He called his son Blanket. Yeah, Blanket. Oh, well, that, I don't know. That's that's, that's quite normal <laughs> in showbiz. That's 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 just uh, that's that's one of the better ones. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not in <laughs> retrospect. It's not bad. <laughs> In retrospect, it's not the worst thing Michael Jackson did. Yeah. (laughs) Here's Mike Burton. I mean, there's there's quite a few words uh, I like the sounds of and things. I I like varying words, like in normal conversation. Like people often surprise. I rarely say the word toilet or bathroom. I often say water closet or uh, lavatory or something like that, or urination uh. station, because it's just fun uh, to say different <laughs> yes. things, especially water closet, because a lot of people know that water closet is what WC stands for, but occasionally you meet someone and they're like, is that what WC stands for? I see it on signs places. It's like, yes, there you go. Mad trivia. Uh, that's what I live for, the trivia. No, um, so they're, they're fun words I like to swap, but the words I, I actually like the sounds of, I mean, Chief Wickham in Simpsons says this, but hijinks, it's got three dotted letters in a row. This just and it ends with an X. Like you can't get cooler than that. Um, qualm is a good one. I like I like the yeah. feel of, of qualm. If you can, okay, my Megan loves that word. So if I ever say it in a sentence, just I don't specifically try and necessarily add it into a sentence. But if I occasionally say it, she go. She won't even answer whatever I've said. She go, ooh, nice word, qualm. She'll just say it as well. Like uh, certain little words like that that I like. Um, there's one word which is just a silly word I love saying. And this is even harder to get into conversation unless you start the conversation like I just have. And that is, it's the fear a duck is always watching you. And that is anatidiophobia. Um, and the other the other good one is, uh, I think I've got it on my phone somewhere. It is the fear of long words. Do, do you know what word this is? It is ridiculous. It's something like hippomon- Fear of long words. No, I don't think so. It's, I think I've written it on my phone because I'm that kind of person of let's see if i've got it yeah i have written it on my phone genuinely i've got that's how okay it is oh god it's about 50 letters long so it's it's one of the longest words ever is 
hippopotamonstros equipidaliophobia. I mean, that's just cruel, isn't it? <laughs> that's just... So that they've deliberately made that word really long just yes. to kind of freak out the people that they're referring to. <laughs> if you say... <laughs> it's so mean, isn't it? It's like... It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, it takes up the entire line on my phone notes. Um, this is just what kind of person I am. I have notes on my... I remember what <laughs> anatidiophobia is, and I've got a note on my phone from, like, three years ago <laughs> that's got the fear of long words because I clearly speak about how much I love that word in conversation enough. I mean, words are one of those funny things. I always laugh at the fact that, that you have the word, word, and you put an S in front of it, and it becomes sword. <laughs> so what? But war is spelled W-A-R. <laughs> so it's I, the, and th- like thorough and through and rough, and they're all ending in O-U-G-H. And you're just like, <laughs> so nonsensical. It's just silly. Mm. Yes, yeah. I'm just thinking about the word qualm as well, because um, it's it's one of those words that's really good in different accents, and it sounds very different when you say it. It's like if someone from Manchester said, "I've got no, I've got no qualms about, I've got no qualms, <laughs> qualm." It's like um, it's a completely different word, isn't it? Mm. And you can get like very proper spoken English qualm. It's it's you know very uh, depending. It would be quite funny, wouldn't it, if you can get people if you can maybe do like a, a bonus episode of this and you find specific words that sound different, like the the, the best words that sound the most different in different people's accents. That'd be quite a cool <laughs> thing just to see. Yeah, like, have like a, a bunch one, of actually, words. Yeah. There's obviously the whole north south divide between sort of Bath and Bath, yes. etc. I try and catch people from the south out with this by saying, "How do you say gas?" And they, they would say gas as well. <laughs> you it don't does, say gas. No, that is true. It's, it's like yeah, grass, uh, and there's also um, uh, what was the one? Uh, vase and vase. That's always a weird one. Or scone and scone. There too, that people seem to almost fight over. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's an interesting one because it's not it's not a geographical boundary. It's just mm. like people randomly select which one they decide they want. It's yeah. It's got nothing to do with where you're from. Yeah. So I, the... I call them scones, mate. I don't, I don't know what scone, scone. I don't know. I think it kind of depends who I'm speaking to, to be honest with you. Weirdly enough, not out of any uh, consciousness, <laughs> but I think I just flip between the two. Sometimes I say bath and sometimes I say bath as well. I do kind of, there's not, <laughs> I just kind oh, of mix right, it up. I see. Yeah. yeah. I think I say bath more frequently, but on the odd occasion I have been known to say bath because I know I do because people around me will go, do you say bath? Because I'm obviously from the South of England, so most people say bath. So it's one of those things of um, people pick up if I ever say bath. Yes. And um, I, just just to cause more controversy, there's a town in the South of England called Bath. And, um <laughs> If uh, there's a, there's a Roger McGough uh, poem about it, and he he's because he's from Liverpool, obviously, and he's kind of uh, he, the central joke in the poem is the fact that people who live in Bath are saying the name of the town wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I like the sound of the word scintillating, the word tree frog, the word ribbit. The word ambidextrous. I like the name of that guy who played the Joker in that film, but how do you say it? Joachim? Joe, uh, Joe or something? 
number three. Joaquin Phoenix. The enigmatic Joaquin Phoenix won over critics with his complex characterizations of riveting figures such as... Um, Paul Thomas Anderson and with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and uh, what else did I do? I did a TV show early on. Oscar-nominated actor Joaquin Phoenix took method acting to a whole new level when he announced his retirement... For few lines of code. Unless you're Joaquin Phoenix, of course, but that dude can do anything. In recent years, a few outspoken intellect... Joaquin Phoenix? I have a soft spot for Joaquin Really? Phoenix. Do I you? I do. Joaquin. Hi, Joaquin. <laughs> wow. Well, that's how you pronounce the word Joaquin Phoenix. That's cool. What about all the names for birds, though, eh? That's a different matter entirely. Let's hear from Susie Buttress from the Casual Birder podcast. I like yellow-bellied sapsucker. Oh, yeah. It yeah. just feels like a, an insult, even though, you know, <laughs> it's a great bird, but you yellow-bellied sapsucker. Let me think of a British bird that's got a great name. I mean, so many of our birds are named for, well, so many birds anyway are named for what they look like. So, you know, you have the goldfinch, you have the greenfinch, and you can pretty much tell there's going to be yellow on them or green on them. And there's the, uh, I like the collective names for things as well. Oh, like, absolutely. Is it... The charm of goldfinches, the yeah. parliament of owls, um, the murder of crows. I can't think if there's a, a collective noun for magpies. Magpies are featured in our mythology a lot. And, you know, everyone knows the one for mm. sorrow, two for joy um, sort of saying that you say if you see a magpie yeah. tipping your hat and saying good morning Mr magpie if you see a magpie there's something about the crows and the corvids that um that have really sort of gone into our mythologies and also around the world you know wherever these birds are because they are intelligent because they can mimic voices they have ravens for example have you know so much mythology tied up with them mm, um yeah. it's really fascinating how how we've had sort of relationships with these birds or built up relationships around birds um, throughout history. Oh, I'm sure we must have another fun bird name or a, a bird name that is nice to say. We have Searle Bunting, the bearded reedling, which used to be called the bearded tit, but is now called the bearded reedling um, because it's not right. actually a member of the tit family, but uh, it has like, it's got two, it looks like it's got a long moustache and so actually it should be the moustached reedling, not the bearded, but there you go. Mm -hmm. And they recently had that bearded vulture um, that had come over to the UK from the Alps. And again, they've got some long sort of uh, feathers round or colouring round their uh, mouth area that looks like a long moustache or beard. Here's Chris Christodoulou. I'm reading uh, 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, and it's an English translation. I can't, uh, unfortunately, I can't read like the, the original, but at some point he mentions the word, and that should be similar, uh, the same in French because it's a Latin word. Uh, word. It says tentaculiferous, and it's the, the bearer of tentacles, and they're speaking about some th thing, you know, some like an animal in the sea. and. Uh, so tentaculiferous is. I I when I saw this word I saw ah this is, this is a real nice word because it's also. I'm guessing it's Latin, but the, ferro is a Greek word that means I bear, I I carry with me, I have on me, 
So I've, I, I bear tentacles. It's kind of tentacle is not a Greek world. We a word. We have a different word for for this uh, appendage. Uh, so I'm guessing that's kind of weird mix. Uh, some science person decided that, you know, this is how we're gonna say that things have things on them. So uh, I just love that word, you know, just how it's made and how it sounds also. Here's Neo Geo again. I have one as well, a song where I just made up some words because I didn't know what to write. So I literally just made up some words and that was it. It's sort of just some words that I thought sounded cool where I just liked the intonation of each vocal or uh, or how it fit with the sound before. There's again a rhythm in an E and a U and an A. You can put those together almost like different percussion instruments. So you can play with that. I like the sound of the word doily, the word embroidered, the word tank, simian, leery, languish, rapport, generate, appreciate, venom, squash, cleethorps, Diarize, robotic, hover, makeshift, membrane, pullover, viscose, sentimentality, automatic, vanquish, enemy. There's another one, another word with a negative connotation. I like the word negative, by the way, and the word connotation. I like that as well. But I do like the sound of the word enemy. It has its own kind of musicality. It's a word that takes you on a journey from the e eh to the n, and then back to the e eh again, then to the m, which is a bit like the n, but not quite, and ending with that e. A brilliant word for a not so brilliant thing. It sounds much better than the word friend. Friend. It's such a functional, basic, uninspiring thing. It begins with a fr, which, speaking as someone with a fr sound at the start of his name, I can tell you it's no one's favourite sound. 
It takes an effort to pronounce those two letters together, the F and the R. Sounds like a car that won't start. So that's the word friend, and it's not off to a good start, is it? And look how it ends. It literally ends with the word end. Whereas enemy, there's a word that can last for eternity. It has its own internal echo. Echo, yeah. That's the best word of them all. I like the sound of the word echo. I Like The Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. Many thanks to all of this week's guests, Neo Geo, Reg Seaton, Reed Messerschmitt, Mike Burton, Susie Buttress and Chris Chrisadulu. Links to all of their stuff is in the show notes. You heard a little snippet of one of Neo Geo's tracks just then. There's a whole load more where that came from. Red Seaton's podcast is called Starting Overdrive. It's a brilliant, brilliant show focusing on the subject of starting over after dramatic and traumatic life events. I've appeared on it myself. Reed's show is called The Irrationally Exuberant, which you heard a brief clip from earlier. I hope that piques your interest to check out more of it. Check out Mike's podcasts, Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics in Canon, and Susie's podcast, The Casual Birder. Great, great shows. So many things to recommend this week. Chris, as well as being a brilliant musician, also has a podcast which he's done the music and sound design for. It's called Gospels of the Flood. It's an audio drama. I highly recommend checking that out as well. I realise that's an awful lot of recommendations, but there you have it. Do check them all out. My website is frankburton.co.uk. My new novel, Getting Away With It, is out now, and it's brilliant. The audiobook version is on Bandcamp, currently set to Name Your Price. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ragbag Presents. Please do share this show around. Give us a rating and review. Get in touch. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon.